Leviticus 10, verses 4 through 20. These are God's words. Then Moses called Mishael and Elzaphan, sons of Uziel, the uncle of Aaron, and said to them, Come near, carry your brethren from before the sanctuary out of the camp. So they went near and carried them by their tunics out of the camp, as Moses had said. And Moses said to Aaron and to Eleazar and to Ithamar, his sons, Do not uncover your heads, and do not tear your clothes, lest you die, and wrath come upon all the people. But let your brethren, the whole house of Israel, bewail the burning which Yahweh has kindled. You shall not go out from the door of the tabernacle of meeting, lest you die. For the anointing oil of Yahweh is upon you. And they did according to the word of Moses. Then Yahweh spoke to Aaron, saying, Do not drink wine or intoxicating drink, you nor your sons with you, when you go into the tabernacle of meeting, lest you die. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations, that you may distinguish between the holy and unholy, and between the unclean and the clean, and that you may teach the children of Israel all the statutes, which Yahweh has spoken to them by the hand of Moses. And Moses spoke to Aaron and Eleazar and Ithamar, his sons who were left, Take the grain offering that remains of the offerings made by fire to Yahweh, and eat it without leaven beside the altar, for it is most holy. You shall eat it in a holy place, because it is your due, and your son's due of the sacrifices made by fire to Yahweh. For so I have been commanded, the breast of the wave offering and the thigh of the heave offering, you shall eat in a clean place, you and your sons and your daughters with you. For they are your due and your sons due, which are given from the sacrifices of peace offerings of the children of Israel. The thigh of the heave offering and the breast of the wave offering, they shall bring with the offerings of fat made by fire to offer as a wave offering before Yahweh, and it shall be yours and your sons with you by a statute forever, as Yahweh has commanded. Then Moses made careful inquiry about the goat of the sin offering, and there it was burned up. And he was angry with Eleazar and Ithamar, the sons of Aaron, who were left, saying, Why have you not eaten the sin offering in a holy place, since it is most holy, and God has given it to you? to bear the guilt of the congregation, to make atonement for them before Yahweh. See, its blood was not brought inside the holy place. Indeed, you should have eaten it in a holy place as I commanded. And Aaron said to Moses, Look, this day they have offered their sin offering and their burnt offering before Yahweh, and such things have befallen me. If I had eaten the sin offering today, would it have been accepted in the sight of Yahweh? So when Moses heard that, he was content. So far the reading of God's inspired and inerrant word. Ministries the priests is vitally important. Uh, it is through their ministry that uh, the people of God uh, come near God uh, and his wrath be turned away from them and his favor be bent upon them. Uh, if uh, Aaron and Eleazar and Ithamar were now to die, the three priests who are left, Israel would be in great peril. And so you see verse 6, lest you die and wrath come upon all 
the people. Uh, we are literally infinitely blessed. Our priest is the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, he will never sin. And he died once to atone for our sin. But he rose again from the dead. And he will never die again. And so the people who come to God through him may have confidence that God's wrath will never come upon us. Uh, for it has been satisfied uh, in the Lord Jesus' his punitive wrath. Although there is a chastening that is a display that comes from and is um, not inappropriately called wrath, if we call it chastening wrath for our good out of love, but it comes in favor uh, towards us. The immediate danger is that the remaining priests, the three remaining priests for this entire nation, uh, would perish. And their ministry is very important. Uh, they need to distinguish between the clean and the unclean and the holy and the unholy, because only that uh, which is clean may participate in worship, and only that which is holy, which God has consecrated to himself, uh, may be the means by which we worship. And much of the rest of the book of Leviticus, then, uh, is going to be taken up uh, in verse, in chapters, not verses, in chapters 11 through 15, he teaches them to distinguish between the clean and unclean. In chapter 17 through 22, he teaches them to distinguish between the holy and the unholy. And in the middle of those two things, uh, bridging those two sections together is chapter 16 and the Day of Atonement. Uh, and uh, chapter 16 actually recalls what has happened here in chapter 10, uh, talking about, it begins, after the deaths of Nadab and Abihu. Uh, so there is a sense in which the whole rest of the book of Leviticus uh, is flowing out of this chapter uh, and the necessity of priests who distinguish between the clean and unclean, chapters 11, 15 through 15, and priests who distinguish between the holy and the unholy, chapter 17 through 22. Uh, and not only are these priests needed for the leading of the worship, verse 10, uh, but they're also the teachers of the people. Because ultimately, uh, outward ceremonial clean cleanliness and holiness uh, are not nearly as important as the cleanliness and holiness of the heart, the cleanliness and holiness of the nation's conduct before God. It's not an either-or, it's a both-and. Uh, and the people who teach all the statutes of the Lord uh, to God's people, in this case, are uh, the priests. So, verse 11, that you may teach the children of Israel all the statutes which Yahweh has spoken to them by the hand of Moses. So it's important that these guys um, survive this day. Uh, and they're currently in great danger. Uh, they're in great danger because uh, they feel a profound need to mourn. As well, we should. Whenever a loved one dies, it is appropriate and right to mourn. But there are times, like when someone is cut off in the flower of youth, or when a death comes suddenly and unexpectedly, or when a death comes as a result of some great sin, uh, or 
when a death comes in the midst of what was supposed to be a time of great joy and celebration. And now all of the, those things are true about the deaths of Nadab and Abihu. The, their words are, their names are not infamous to Aaron and his family and to the nation of Israel like they now are to us because of what they are an example to, uh, uh, of to us. Their names are precious. They're two of the high priestly family. And so there is this great felt need to mourn by Aaron and his sons, his remaining sons. But they can't tear their garments, their priestly garments. They can't uncover their heads to throw ashes on them. They have the the priestly hats and even Aaron, the ornate uh, garments and hat. And they can't leave the tabernacle uh, to carry the bodies out or to go observe any sort of uh, of burial or mourning ritual. They can't even drink strong drink or alcohol. Uh, in verse 9, do not drink wine or intoxicating drink when you go into the tabernacle of meeting. But right now, they are tied to the tabernacle of meeting. They've been consecrated for their priesthood. They don't have the liberty uh, to leave. So just like Proverbs 31 and the words to King uh, Lemuel, uh, the, that strong drink is for someone who is in great grief, but it's not for the king to drink because the king needs to be attending to the kingly business at the time. Um, so also when the priests, similar to a king, are attending to the priestly business in the court of the tabernacle of meeting, that's not the time for them to drink wine or strong drink. And so they can't even do that part uh, of uh, of the morning to uh, to receive God's uh, mercy in taking some of the bitterness off of the grief by the use of the alcohol. So there are many things uh, that uh, that they need to be careful of right now that they would not do lest they die. And then they might also, uh, in their grief, be distracted from some of their immediate duties. Uh, and there are particular sacrifices that have been offered and particular parts of those sacrifices that are for the priests and for their families. One of the things that uh, sometimes you have to do in a situation of crisis counseling when someone has been suddenly bereaved is you have to remind them to eat and to eat particularly nutritious food. People who are grieving, they'll forget uh, and they'll let you know their blood sugar get low or they'll eat the wrong sorts of things and uh, and that's just part of uh, common grace, practical-wise, helping someone who is grieving. Well, in this case, uh, their diet has been determined by which sacrifices have been offered. Uh, chapters or Verses 12 through 15 are summarizing things that have been taught in chapter 6, 16 through 18, and chapter 6, verse 26, and chapter 7, verse 6, and chapter 7, verse 28 through 35. And so it's very, uh, very practical and kind and wise of Moses to immediately remind them of what they are supposed to eat following these sacrifices, and particularly when they are in the holy place, the the menu for the holy place. And so there's uh, there's a, 
uh, a balance here. There are two things being held together. One, uh, care for them in, uh, in their grieving with a priority on obeying God and regarding Him as holy. But regarding God as holy is never merely a matter of logistics. It is a matter of logistics. We've just learned, if we come to God in another way than he has said, we disregard him as holy. But just coming to God with the right actions is not all that it means to regard him as holy. We should come to God with the right heart. And this is what we see opened up a little bit when at the end of the chapter, Moses comes and he checks on the goat of the sin offering and none of it has been eaten. Now, it wasn't necessarily required that all of it be eaten. They were to eat and whatever was left over was to be burned up. But now all of it is burned up and Moses is angry. He, he is concerned that they haven't followed the procedure to the, to the latter. Although, you know, you can make the case that they have followed the procedure to some extent. But Aaron points out that eating the goat of the people's sin offering was supposed to be done by a priestly family whose own sin offering had been offered, who themselves were clean and holy. But between the offering of the the people's sin offering and the time that he and his two remaining sons were supposed to eat it, what had happened to his family? Not just that two of them had died, but that they had died in bringing great sin upon the priestly family. And so no longer was it consecrated, conscience-cleansed priests who would eat the sin offering, but it was priests whose consciences now had been defiled by what they had done, by what their family had done. And so Aaron says, I wasn't neglecting the rules of the Lord. I was following them from the heart. I was considering the order in which these things are and the reason behind those things, and that it wouldn't have been acceptable to God from the heart for us to eat this meat that was for the conscience-cleansed, consecrated family. And Moses hears it. Uh, verse 20, and acting as God's prophet, he's content. In this case, Aaron was actually more thoroughly considering what the Lord had instructed, that he needs not just to follow the logistics, which is required to honor God, to treat him as holy, but he needed to follow it from the heart. He needed to follow them from the heart. That's a good reminder to us that the Lord doesn't just want external conformity to a form conformity but he wants our hearts to be devoted to him as well he wants us not just to do only those parts of worship that jesus is leading from heaven because that is gospel worship it's true that he does want us but he wants our hearts to embrace that jesus is leading from heaven and he wants us to uh, to be led by jesus and to interact with god through christ in all of the parts of the worship that he has commanded. And so there's a very helpful reminder here, even by not eating part of a goat, 
that God wants our hearts, not just our external habits. And so I wonder, does he have your heart when we worship in the public worship and we're doing what we do in the public worship? The the way those things got selected is from the Bible because that is how God has brought us near in Christ. But are you with your heart coming near to God in Christ? Rejoicing that Jesus' righteousness is your worthiness to be there and his sacrifice has put away your sin and coming to God through him to give God the praise that is due, knowing that the way the praise works is that Jesus sings by using your mouth and by filling your heart with his spirit. And so you sing from the heart and you pray from the heart as you agree with the one who, who whom he has given to lead you in prayer. And you uh, listen and engage with him in his word when there's preaching. Do you give him your heart? And do you prepare your heart then for the public worship? And do you follow up with the Lord afterward? What a blessed thing the Bible is that we can learn such lessons from an uneaten goat. May the Lord, the Spirit, bless his word to us. Let's pray. Our gracious God and our Heavenly Father, we thank you that your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, has both with perfect actions and with a perfect heart not only given himself for us and given himself to us, but ministers on our behalf as our great high priest. And we pray that by his ministry to us, also by his spirit, he would teach us all that you have commanded, and that not only would his spirit teach our minds, but that he, the spirit, would conform our hearts to Christ, through whom we ask it. Amen.